listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Okay, as we continue our journey through Mark, today's reading is from chapter 11, verses 27 through 33. I believe it should be on the screen in front of you. Again, they came to Jerusalem. As Jesus was walking in the temple, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders came to him and said, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? Answer me. They argued with one another. What should we say? If we say from heaven, he will say, why then did you not believe him? But shall we say of human origin? They were afraid of the crowd, for all regarded John truly as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. And thank you, Kurt, for that reading. Thanks to Pastor Alicia for covering the prayer today. Gave me a chance to get dried off. Not that I needed to with those magic pants of mine. So, <clears throat> anyone, anyone who's watching online and skipped the children's chat is going to be really confused by that, but that's just for you guys. Sorry about my voice too, guys. Totally lost my voice yesterday. I've been wrestling with a cold and allergies for a bit. Um, I think it's like at about, you know, smoker level, you know, lifelong smoker. So, <clears throat> you know, I don't normally uh, sound like this. My apologies. What an awesome Sunday though, huh? We had a baptism. That was great. Um, We get to eat in a little bit. We should do baptism and communion every week. That's just my two cents. Um, Our passage today actually talks about baptism in a way. Uh, There's a reference to John the Baptist and where his authority to baptize came from. It's part of the argument Jesus is having with these religious authorities. This story is actually the first in a series of clashes Jesus is going to have with the religious leaders in Jerusalem, just to paint a picture of what we're going to be covering in the coming weeks. should be on that screen. The leaders start out with this question of authority, uh, the passage Kurt just read for us. Where do you get the authority to do these things? Then Jesus tells the parable of the wicked tenants. Uh, That's a story where Jesus is directly calling out these religious leaders. They are the wicked tenants. We'll get to that uh, next week. Then the religious leaders try to trap Jesus with a question about paying taxes to Caesar. We actually looked at that one back in January when we did our series on Jesus and money. And then the religious leaders come back at Jesus with a question about resurrection. Then finally, they grill him on the greatest commandment. So this is just the first in a series of clashes we're going to see between these religious leaders in Jerusalem and Jesus. These leaders are trying to test him. They want to box him in. They want to expose Jesus as a fraud, but he turns the tables on them every single time. 
It's going to be a fun couple of weeks going through these. Believe you guys. Um, Let's start, though, with this first one. Let's start with this question of authority. Jesus is approached by the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. That's the three groups that come to Jesus. That also happens to be the three groups that make up the Sanhedrin. That's the ruling religious party in Jerusalem. They're the folks who run the temple. Sanhedrin are the same people who are going to arrest Jesus in a few days and hand him over to the Romans to be crucified. So that's where this is going. We're not quite there yet. They start by asking him questions. And the first one is a question about authority. Verse 28. By what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority to do them? Now, pro tip. Whenever you start reading the Bible and you see something like this, you know, a reference to these things, that should trigger you to ask a question. What things? Exactly, yes. What's the context? What things are these religious leaders referring to? And I'll kind of ask that as a question. What has Jesus been doing over the last couple days in Jerusalem? What, what have we been talking about the last few weeks? Anything that might lead the religious leaders to respond in this way? Yeah, he went into the temple and he flipped the tables. That's a big deal. Brought the whole temple system to a halt. Any other stuff? He did some miracles, yeah, on the way in to Jerusalem, absolutely. And if we consider killing a tree a miracle, I guess that was, that was one, the fig tree we talked about that last week. He also, what, two days before this happened, he parades into Jerusalem on a donkey being hailed as a king. So Jesus has trashed the temple, which is this kind of like public rebuke of the temple authorities. He's marched in, setting himself up as a sort of king uh, in contest with King Herod, the guy who appointed these religious leaders. So when the Sanhedrin come up to Jesus and they're like, by what authority are you doing these things? These are the things. They're asking Jesus, who do you think you are to challenge us? Who gave you the authority to challenge our authority? This is like the Facebook comment section of the first century, right? Like, <laughs> I'm over here just like shoveling popcorn in my mouth, like, oh, this is going to be fun. Right? Like, that's, that's me in this situation. <laughs> that's silly. Now, <clears throat> Jesus could answer these guys directly, right? He could answer them. He could tell them exactly where his authority comes from. He could say, God, God gave me the authority. My Father in heaven gave me the authority to challenge your hypocrisy. He doesn't do that, though. Instead, Jesus turns the question back on them. He responds to their question with a question of his own. Verse 29. I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin answer me. And we should note, it's not as obvious in English, that last sentence is an imperative. It's a command. You answer me is how we could translate that. Jesus is exercising, demonstrating a little little authority of his own. You want to talk about authority? I got a question about authority. John the Baptist, where did his authority come from? Was that from, when he baptized people, was that from 
from man or was that from God? I'm pretending I'm asking the religious leaders. <clears throat> but yeah, God, we know, we know the answer. <clears throat> this question puts the religious leaders in a bit of a pickle though, right? See, they're buddy-buddy with King Herod, the guy who killed John. <laughs> so they can't affirm John. They'll end up dead right next to him. But the people, the crowds, the mobs loved John. They viewed him as a prophet. So if they don't affirm John, the crowd's going to kill them. That's how serious the stakes are. So they plead the fifth. They refuse to answer. Verse 31. <clears throat> they argued with one another, saying, What should we say? If we say from heaven, Jesus will say, Why then did you not believe him? But shall we say of human origin? They were afraid of the crowd. For all regarded John truly as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. Point Jesus, right? Jesus one, religious leader zero. There's a few things I think we can draw from this story, from Jesus' response to these leaders. And a couple of important insights, practical things that I think can guide us uh, today. First thing <clears throat> has to do with how we respond to conflict, how we handle conflict. Notice that right from the get-go, Jesus refuses to play their game by their rules. The religious leaders are trying to test Jesus. They want to set him up. He's on their turf. They want him playing their game by their rules on their turf, but Jesus has none of it. He doesn't take the bait. He refuses to become a defendant in their trial. He doesn't get defensive. He doesn't lash out or go on the attack. Instead, Jesus stays calm, and he responds by asking questions. He doesn't let them set the terms of the debate. If you've ever found yourself sucked into a debate on social media, <laughs> yeah, a few of us maybe. <laughs> if you're like, social media, what's that? <laughs> Bless you. Um, <laughs> or maybe, maybe you've got friends, you've got family, neighbors, who are always trying to start an argument, to provoke. There's a lot we can glean from Jesus in this passage. Tomorrow is the 4th of July, right? Happy birthday, America. A lot of us are going to be going to cookouts. We're going to be around friends, extended family. Uh, if your extended family is anything like mine, there will probably be some drinking involved, alcohol and explosives. Great combination. Don't get sucked into the debates tomorrow. Don't do it. When that annoying cousin starts poking at you, you know, asking a bunch of questions, saying a bunch of offensive things, trying to provoke you, don't take the bait. You don't have to engage. You don't have to sacrifice your peace, your well-being for their little political agenda. You can ignore them and go talk to someone else. You could change the subject, or you could respond with questions. It's an interesting perspective. Why do you think that? What informs that idea? 
Any books you'd recommend for like more on that topic? Or any, any other views you've ever considered? Have you ever thought about why someone might hold a different opinion? Questions. I'm going to be practicing my, uh, this myself. Uh, we leave for Pennsylvania right after the service. We're hitting McDonald's for lunch, and then we are booking it to Pennsylvania. And I am going to be around my in-laws and my extended family <clears throat> for two weeks. Pray for me. <laughs> there are a lot of people who love to argue and debate, especially when the pastor with tattoos shows up. I'm going to be working really hard to respond like Jesus would. Don't get sucked into it. Don't play their games by their rules. Ask questions. Opt out. Set the terms for your own engagement. That's a neat little trick we learned from Jesus. Second thing, <clears throat> other thing, I think we can pick up on here, and this is where it gets a lot more personal, is that I think Jesus challenges us in much the same way he challenges the religious leaders. When we read the Bible, <clears throat> if we're reading it well, we're probably imagining ourselves in the story, right? Like you imagine what it would be like if this wild, amazing stuff happened to you. As human beings, this is how we engage with stories, right? This is what makes movies so compelling. This is what makes an action movie so exciting. You imagine yourself as the main character. What if I was Batman? <laughs> that might just be me. Um, <clears throat> if we want to read the Bible well, we should be doing the same thing when we read the Bible. Imagine yourself in the story. The problem is, we are used to imagining ourselves as the good guys, the heroes, the protagonists, right? We imagine ourselves as Jesus squaring off with the, the religious folks, or Moses against Pharaoh, or maybe the disciples. But what if we're the religious leaders? What if we're the ones having our own authority called into question by Jesus? What if I'm the one who's trying to exercise control and dominance, trying to give, gain favor, save face, finding new and innovative ways to challenge Jesus' authority in my own life? And what if Jesus comes to me and says, no, you answer me. Where does my authority come from? When I was growing up, <clears throat> there were a lot of people, folks in my lives, folks from church, who would encourage me to go into ministry. Go, go figure. Um, <clears throat> I had mentors. I had youth pastors. They'd be like, you should go into ministry, man. You should use your gifts in the church. You know, I remember when I was a senior in high school, they'd be like, are you looking at Bible colleges? Like, what, what are you doing? And I would always be like, no way, not a chance. I am never going to work in the church. Because, <laughs> like, my mom was a pastor, right? I've talked about this. My mom served in children's ministry for 20 years. For 20 years, I saw all the nonsense she had to put up with, and I was like, not a chance. That is not for me. I am not going to go there. Plus, I had my own dreams. <clears throat> when I was a kid, I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. <laughs> yeah, close. Which I kind of am, right? Like... <clears throat> 
This, this is just a really weird, not funny stand-up routine. Like, that's, that's preaching uh, in a nutshell. I remember in college, I pursued my dream of being a stand-up comedian. I went pretty far with it. Um, I was in improv theater groups. I acted in some plays. I won a stand-up comedy competition. I got to go to Philly, Philadelphia, and uh, do stand-up in front of bigger crowds. It was an absolute blast. I even, my senior year, I landed my dream internship on a shock jock radio station, a comedy talk radio station. Through it all, I was kind of miserable. Like, it was fun, but it wasn't edifying. I wasn't glorifying God when I did stand-up. Believe me. <laughs> my, my ego was way out of control. I made some really dumb decisions. I said and did some really stupid, offensive things trying to be funny. Lost a number of friends through that process. God could have written me off like at any point in all that, but for some strange reason, the door always stayed open. There were opportunities to serve in ministry. Youth group needs a leader. This camp needs a teacher. And slowly I started peeking into those doors. And eventually, like 10 years later, that process led me here. I've been at this church for four years today. This is, this is the four-year mark. You don't have to... Well, thank you. And I'm loving it. I feel, like, I feel like for once I'm actually doing what I'm supposed to be doing, what God like, made me to do. Um, but I resisted that call. I resisted that call to follow Jesus for over 10 years, and I was in church. I was still resisting that call when I was in seminary. <laughs> there are so many things that can claim authority over us. Our friends, our families, our careers, our political ideologies, our egos, even our church. But Jesus cuts through all that. And he says, no, 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 no. You answer me. You follow me. Where does my authority lie? Where's Liam? Liam's right over here. Liam, you got baptized today, which is awesome. It's a huge milestone. I know your family is super proud of you. Uh, I know I'm super pumped for you. Um, and you all don't know this, but Liam and I had uh, a long, deep conversation about baptism. We, we talked about what baptism means, uh, what it signifies, its importance. A lot of Christians think that baptism is magic. A lot of people assume that you get baptized and that just fixes things. You know, all your worries go away. No more struggling with, like, sin and temptation. But it doesn't work like that, does it? Absolutely not. Baptism is the beginning of something. It's a first step. We begin this journey with Jesus by publicly declaring that we are going to follow Jesus as Lord, that we are going to recognize Jesus as the highest authority in our lives. And I am telling you right now, Liam, that is a lifelong struggle. We never stop wrestling. We never stop fighting between God's will and our own. It is always a struggle. In this journey of faith, there are going to be ups and downs. Liam, there's going to be times when God feels so close to you that you can't even breathe, you can't even process it. And then there are going to be times when God feels a million miles away. But that's why we make this commitment. That's why we make this pledge 
as we enter the waters of baptism. It's not about perfection. That's not the goal. No one expects you to be perfect. Baptism is about a commitment. It's a commitment that I am going to follow Jesus, come what may. When times get tough, when I am surrounded by darkness and death, when I go astray and get lost, I'm going to remember the symbolism of that water. I'm going to remember that statement. Buried with Christ in his death, raised to new life in the resurrection. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at BrockportFB, and on our website, BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.